podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Exclusive listening with 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 8 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and this afternoon I'm joined by Miff and Kenny. In previous years we've seen it slammed shut in dramatic fashion but this week the transfer window was very gently and very politely closed over with just a couple of first team players heading out and John Joe Kenny sneaking in on the final day. Also remaining in of course is manager Neil Lennon but will the recently announced pre-contract signing of Dominic Mackay have any bearing on that? Probably not, at least for now, but we'll see what that brings in due course. By this season's crazy standards, it's actually been a relatively quiet week at Celtic Park. So, Miff, what's your thoughts, first of all, on where we currently are? Ho Tino, Ho Kenny, where, where are we? I, I don't really think we're any further forward. We've won a couple of games that we should have won. The transfer business, though, was, was very underwhelming. When you consider that, if you go back to previous episodes of the podcast, you'll hear us discuss the areas that we thought we were light and we were weak, and we're still light and weak in those areas. Uh, however, the addition of John Joe Kenny, based on the, the couple of games he's played, looks very much worthwhile and I think what that does is it allows Ayer to go back into centre half and whilst you can argue all day long where Ayer's best position is whether it's at full back it's at centre half or whether it's in midfield we are a more solid proposition with Ayer at the centre of the defence and certainly alongside young young Stephen Welsh as well so uh, the transfer business underwhelming where we are I would say no further forward on the basis that what I believe is wrong at the club and that's the manager is, is still in situ but let's remember we enjoy following Celtic we enjoy watching Celtic and it's been a wee while certainly it hasn't happened in 2021 so far but we've won two games in a row so let's just enjoy that <laughs> yeah what about yourself Kenny where are you at on that note two wins in a row consistency which is obviously word of the week nah, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag <laughs> consistency I still th- feel uncomfortable watching us at times I still think regardless of how well we're playing middle to front whether it's we're scoring four goals or two goals I'm still nervous at the back and in terms of the transfer market, it's probably the least excited I've been in, or in, in recent memory um, with with any other deal- dealings. But as you say, Kenny's probably done more in two games than from Pong done in a couple of months. And whether we get we can go for him in the summer or not, he might, he might, he might, we might just be developing him for him to go back. But to, to take his tide is over short term, even though we've not a lot to play for, he's going to look, you know, he looks good. Yeah. One thing I'll need to do, and Miff yourself, we'll need to remind ourselves that you're not talking in the third persona saying, Kenny's great, Kenny's doing really well, he's, ah. been, a, he's been a great find, so we'll be mindful of that. Um, but yeah, it's good to see, you know, just in purely football in terms of a couple of wins, is that the way Celtic are just now, they're not, they're not really putting teams to bed, are they? It's just the way this season's been, I, I think, on and off the park, anything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and I think you've seen that as well with the goal that we conceded today. To me, it's just an absolute joke. I don't think the deflection's an excuse. It's sailed very slowly over Scott being said in the middle of the goals with him two yards off his line, I think, for me. In terms of basic technique, being a goalkeeper, if you want to be a goalkeeper at a top level, you need to save that all day long. He's not had a lot to do. He's actually made a, a very good save with his legs before that. And in fairness, you would say it was the, the goalkeeper of a guy that was number three last season and has been propelled into number one this season. And that's because of the inadequacies of whoever it is that makes the transfer signings at Celtic not doing the deal for Fraser Foster Scott Bain just happened to find himself as this week's goalie but that could all change into uh, well, he, against he, he was backed fairly heartily by the boss at the beginning of last week he's mm-hmm. my number one he said, so, that, he said that about Barkas before last um, week he said that week before about Barkas you know the, the muddled thinking of the manager is co- it's 
literally costing you goals on, on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a few moments in the Kilmarnock game as well where he was quite hesitant and could have been off his line. So, yeah. listen, for me, whatever the, the solution is, I'm not just saying this because of what happened today, but out of the three keepers available, Bain would probably be my third choice. But yeah, yeah. he seems to be he I seems to be the manager's the manager's go to guy. Um I don't really see a huge amount compared to what I've seen for the three keepers. See with Barkas, I can't turn around and say he, other than maybe the free kick in Milan, where mm-hmm. he just was kinda of like you know, rabbit in the headlights. I think maybe with Barkas it's he's maybe just no settled, you know, new country, all, all those different types of things. I think you still need to give him that wee bit of leeway. Hazard's probably a kind of 6 out of 10 keeper for what we've seen so far and he's only got to get better. So I would argue that either giving Barkas or Hazard more game time and exposure would probably be better for them in the long run. You're either going to help Barkas settle or you're going to give Hazard much needed first team experience. With Bain, is he going to get any better? I think Bain's produced the same level of performance pretty much all the way through his career, whether he was at Dundee or Hibs and, and now at Celtic. He is what he is. The guy has been thrust in there by Lennon and told you're my number one. Being to me as a number two or a number three that you bring in every now and then. And today we saw it literally cost us. And it, it could, well, it cost us a goal, but it could have cost us a hell of a lot more. I agree, it makes the least sense to play Ben out of the three. I thought it was strange that he hung his hat on Barkas and then played him for two games. And there wasn't anything really drastic that happened in those two games. But that, I, that is the case with Barkas, don't it? You know, we just seem to concede goals and he. Doesn't he just really seem to do anything? We do the same with Bain as well, though. There's, I don't want to see that. You know, what I, would I agree say, though, with you. There's no argument for Bain. There's argument. There's an argument to play Barkas because the money we played from. There's an argument to play Hazard because you're developing a young goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. What, where's the argument for playing Bain? The, the argument is that there's things that we don't see as regular partners. So I don't know what, where Barkas is in terms of you know his his confidence. You know, as a person, you know, there's obviously a big price tag on his head. He's getting used to Glasgow life and the hotbed that is Glasgow life in terms of even just the, you know the social media space. So I wonder if whether it's Neil Lennon or maybe more specifically Stevie Woods who works with the goalies is maybe just seeing that the guy's not at himself just now we don't know I'm just speculating but that might be the reason why Barkas has been taking out the firing line even you know if temporarily the the madness for me is we'll let a keeper walk away in the summer that's better than MD that we have and I, and I will continue to make that point now Gordon himself was no angel he made high profile mistakes for Celtic yes he did however over the most part he was a very good keeper for yeah. Celtic and made and made big saves at big times for me, I think we would all feel much better with Craig Gordon being on goals this season than, than mm-hmm. any of the three keepers that we have. Yeah. Well, you know he can produce it. You know he can produce that big save that we've just not seen from any of these three goalkeepers yet. Because even, even the games that Hazard's played well, he's still been shaky from cross balls and things like that. I also think as well, Gordon was quite a big influence in the dressing room as well. So the type of season it was this season, I think mm-hmm. it would have been handy to have him around. Yeah. By all accounts, it seems like the dressing room would have, would have needed it. it. I think quite a lot of responsibilities fell on guys who've dragged us through, no dragged us through, but have played, made huge contributions to the success that we've had. And the guys that are left are the ones that are, are you know, try, try to take that through. So an influence in the dressing room, such as Gordon, experienced international goalkeeper, I don't think it would have done MD any harm. But listen, that, that's with hindsight. Not a lot of people were crying when he left. I think that was because we thought Fraser Foster was a done deal. Hindsight has shown, absolutely, I believe, we should have kept. I think so. I think just just as a general point, to let senior players leave and you know what was or should have been a monumental season doesn't make any sense. Not on huge money. Uh, you can maybe add guys like Johnny Hayes into that bracket, perhaps even Simunovic, guys that had been round the block. And what we do have in Callum McGregor alluded to it in a recent interview, we've got a very, very young team and there's no doubt about it when you look across the board, save for Scott Brown and you know maybe Rogic is a wee bit older, you've got very young guys in there across the board. And Scott Brown's not... only one that's over 30. The rest are all under 30, I believe. Or, or is, is Griffiths, he is 30. He's just about 30, yeah. 
So that's interesting itself. But yeah, back you know, back to the football stuff and in, in general, what got us to this chat is that not having a solid goalkeeper at the back is making us nervy. Even in a game, you know, against Mother, which we've very generally dominated, we're still not we, you can't breathe until the final whistle goes. And if it wasn't for Laxalt clearing one off the line, we'd have been here berating an, a, another draw eh, and drop points at Celtic Park. Um not forgetting, of course, the the win against Kilmarnock in midweek. Four 0 probably was a reasonably fair reflection. Anytime something gets lumped in the box, we do go to pieces we don't have the confidence do you know, what, do you know what's strange about it is and you look at each one of the defenders individually and they're playing really well both against Kilmarnock and today against Motherwell Kenny had a good game I had a good game Welsh had a good game and Taylor had a good game but it's still we look like we're going to concede every time you know, they come at us it's weird it's just there's that's no a unit, fair point unit. individually they're playing well but as a unit and yeah. that's the, you hear it all the time in you know, football cliches but defensive units are so so important and in, in defence of the defence the unit also includes the midfield and the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's a collective unit, effort it, 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 it is a collective effort and I think what you've seen in the past few games if you look at Edward I think Edward's looked a bit more mobile which has meant that and even Ajeti's willingness looking at the, the Motherwell game and looking at the, the Kilmarnock game Ajeti showed a lot more willingness to actually close down more so than he'd done in his cameo appearances you know he looked really really slow and, and rigid to the point where he was just kind of jogging about he was putting in a lot of effort the past two games to try and go and close down space for the defenders. So when you've got that, you know, the team the team that we've been playing over the past couple of games, I think you need to try and stick as close to that team as possible just to allow that fluency to build so that they can both attack as a unit but also defend as a unit and then you get that stable base. I think Sora being out of the team probably doesn't help that. I think he seems to be better than Brown at that, that whole kind of sweeper in the midfield role, albeit that Brown, I thought, was really good against both Marnock and, and Motherwell in fairness to him but the, the point I'm making is that very specific role that, that we identify with Sorrow I don't think you could actually say Brown plays that role as as well as him Brown's kind of just more of a he's not a box to box midfielder anymore but you know you know what I'm saying he kind of covers more ground in the midfield whereas Sorrow's more inclined just to just to sit I could see the logic for as I said in the, the post-match I could see the logic for Brown coming in against Kilmarnock because you're playing against Power Dicker and uh, the, the other boy the new boy Sh- Shibola or I think his name is. He uh, came in and he, he looked really physical as well. Tissue, so. tissue ball, tissue ball. <laughs> Silent T guys. Could understand the logic for Brown coming in for that game. I would have quite liked to have seen Sorrow come back in for this one because I just think he's the man on form at the moment. And I, I don't know if I necessarily agree that Brown had a great game today. I thought he was good in spells, but I thought he, gave, he still gave Did the I ball away. Did you not say a great game? Did you not say that? Well, I'll say good game. I thought I said, no, no. Well, now you're going back to I'm going to say that. I'm just going to say, Kenny, bear in mind that I can't wing back here. I think Brown had a good game, right? right. Okay. But, but, but I'll be proven wrong. Well, I apologize. I'll apologize if I'm proven wrong. Can right for the jugular there? <laughs> I, I thought, thought he gave the ball away a few times in the first half, especially, and then for Campbell's goal, somebody has to take the flak for that, and he sort of sauntered right through the middle of where Brown should maybe be sweeping up. We were a bit weak, harsh. We? That whole goal, we were a bit weak. Just the whole, yeah. he's he kind of stumbled through. Just and all, then, all, all too easy to make the space. You can say what you want, whether it was through a the swing or not. Deflection, yeah. sailed over the keeper. It was just a horrible goal mm-hmm. to concede. It's a Celtic goal to concede this season. Really. It sure is. Uh, going back to Kamarnock Miffs, obviously you spoke about first and foremost defending from the top and Eddie and Ayeti putting in more of a shift and hopefully we'll see a settled team for the next few games. That, of course, won't be possible if Ayeti picks up the ban, which has been suggested he's going to get. What is your thoughts on the Ayeti dive for the, I think it was the second goal, the penalty against Kamarnock? Well, I, I don't think you should call it a dive. Privileges. Um, I think there's, there's contact. Yes, it makes the most of it, but you can clearly see, I think there's plenty of replays on Twitter. It's self-evident. He has not dived. He has not feigned contact. He's made the most of the contact he's received, yes. And the decision of the person that was closest to it, who was the linesman, 
was that it was a penalty. Now, I would imagine there would have probably been some sort of sound as well that would have, you know, with the contact of the keeper against his boot. So, the fact I, that I it's think, been... I think he said Aya as well as he uh, well, got the contact. Well, there you go. That, that just proves 100% it's a stonewaller. But for it to be called up when, um, let's just say, there's been other incidents uh, through the week that, that are a bit more... Um, don't think the timing of it is a coincidence that it's came after pressure from external sources. But what I was going to say... Uh, uh, on the on contact, I don't think contact is necessarily the, the main thing. I think if a if a complaint is going to be cited for simulation, it has to either be that there's no contact or that the player initiates the contact. So I think that's what the appeal will centre on whether the, yeah. whether Ayeti initiates the contact or not. I don't think you can say that because the keeper the keepers chased him out, then realised that he's not getting the ball and tried to pull out. I, I think that's what Kenny's saying. I think, you know, if it's clear that there's no contact, then absolutely there's a case to answer. Or if it's clear that maybe Ayeti's dragged his friend. boot into ah, the, the yeah. knee or whatever, you can see from the, the one particular super slow-mo is that the goalkeeper's he's, hand or his, his ankle rolls. goes across his ankle. Yeah, it's clear as day. It'll be very, very interesting to see how, how hard Celtic push this one, how how much pushback there is on it. Because it, it looks cut and dry that there's well, been it, contact. Well, it's a statement from Ayeti, isn't it? And if, and if Ayeti says, well, I never initiated any contact, I'm going for the ball, and he can't, mm. he's come back you know, through the back and clattered me, then... What I don't understand about it is some guy on Twitter was able to slow-mo and show the contact within about, what, 15 minutes of the inquiry or, or the, the sighting being announced what were the guys who were reviewing it looking at yeah I think that yeah. it's been a you know Michael Stewart was one that spoke about the unnatural way that Yeti goes down he sort of arches his back a wee bit and flops a bit but I, I think all that is irrelevant it's, it's about contact and whether contact is made and who initiates it and if it's the player that initiates it the other player then it's a penalty but he's been, he's been cited for simulation so you know whilst you make the most of it if there's contact, it can't be simulation, surely. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree, and I think all of us as, as football guys would agree that he he has made the most of it, but he's had something to make the most out of. He's not made the most out of a nothing situation. There's been something there, so so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, it could have a bearing on whether Celtic can then you know keep that partnership of him and Edward going, or if we now need to shuffle the pack again for the matches going forward. Well, the the good thing about um, the Kilmarnock game, and even in spells in the mother game as well, I know. As yet, he probably was, wasn't as involved as he would have liked to have been over the piece. But the good thing was that Ajeti actually showed something across both games. You know, a bit of movement, holding the ball up, work rate. His finish in the Kilmarnock game was, was excellent. The way he used his body, the way he kind of just lulled the defender in, used his body, turned him in, in an excellent finish into the bottom corner. Ultimately, we keep talking about over consecutive episodes in this podcast as to who, who are or who is going to be our players moving forward. Um, He's got to be one of them, so get games into him. Let's see what he's all about. One thing he has lacked is a consistent run in the team, and I think that's to be fair. I think that's because he's thrown in the odd stinker mm-hmm. where he's been immobile, standing about, no getting the ball, and it's just looked bad. If he continues his work rate like he has in the past couple of games, then I think you'll see more and more fans really rallying behind him and saying, Get the guy in the team, keep working hard, get him balls in the box, and he will finish. Well, one point I did pick up on that, that you had mentioned in previous podcasts was uh, his presence at, in, when we're defending set pieces. I noticed in Motherwell, he, the Motherwell game, he won the ball at the front, yep. the yeah, front post. Times. And, that was and good. He, does, he does offer that, which is something that Griffiths definitely doesn't. <laughs> which is something which I had picked up and was also mocking in a previous podcast as well, because uh-huh. I think, what's he doing at the front post? But it's a good point, though. It's a good point. You don't see that from Griffiths when yeah, he plays. Yeah, so. it's an important job, particularly if, you know, we're, we are showing this defensive frailty. It's good to know there's a striker willing to put in the shift there. And he's decent in there. He, he was, you know, running his headers at the front post and I thought it took a bit of the, the pressure off Celtic at times. So what we've got now is an interesting situation where with the transfer window closing, we've now got 12 league games remaining. We know exactly 
you know, who the squad is, who's going to be available to pick from. So do we expect to see chopping and changing, young guys giving chances, Duffy's brought back in? And I suppose it's maybe anybody's guess when they're learning at this moment in time. But what do you see the, the plan being for those remaining 12 games? Um, I, th- I don't think it's really Lennon's style of management to go and turn to the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine that he'll... He's tried and trusted I've got us in this mess that we're yeah, in that, now, to be honest. Well, that, that's, that's the point. I can't see Lennon changing too markedly. I think what the, the board and Celtic are wanting us to do is just try and say, oh, well, we've won a few games in a row or two games in a row, hope to, to make that three, hope to make that four, and just say, right, everybody, let's, let's just go on wait to the end of the season. I think most fans wanted to see a change happen before now and, and probably do still want to see a change regardless of what the the form is on the park at this moment in time. And the reason for that is because they're already thinking next season. Most Celtic fans just want this season done, get it out of the way, let Rangers go and celebrate and then build for next season. And and most Celtic fans believe that that rebuild should start now in terms of the playing staff. I don't think you'll meet any Celtic fan that thinks Neil Lennon is going to be the Celtic manager next year. So for, it just makes it that wee bit of a, a kind of phony war at the minute. For me, Lennon will do what Lennon always does. And he'll, he'll just turn to the players. You know, Brown has slowly, quietly been integrated back into the team. And, and you could argue it's had a positive effect on the team. That, that's not to say, you know, at least now there are some players in the team that seem to have given it a bit of impetus. You know, the likes of Kenny coming in, Greg Taylor. As well, you know, he has he has played well consistently, even even in the games when we've been beat, even the game against St. Man, I thought he still had a decent enough game. So that just a bit, bit of freshness, let the team be consistent and build a bit of fluency. And I think you're seeing small small signs of that, but we don't have to make it hard for ourselves. Yeah. Kenny, would you expect us to, to be playing teams very or lineups very similar to what we've seen today? So for example, Welsh and I have been uh, paired again in the centre defence. Uh, yeah, until it doesn't work again. Because I think that's <laughs> what you've seen with Lenny. Play, you know, he fit somewhere across a, a winning formula until we get beat and then it's it's a complete chop and change again. You know, got to a stage where he's playing Welsh because he just doesn't trust Duffy and Beaton anymore. That he probably goes with that until the, until that you know. But I, although I can see Welsh, you know, c- cement himself in that team. He's he's done himself. You know, on on that point, Kenny, I think you need you need to be honest and say Welsh will probably make mistakes. Leave him in there, let him make the mistakes so that he learns from them, so that we've got somebody that's ready to play for his next season with a bit more experience and, and will be all the better for it. Whereas the likes of Duffy will be off back down the road yeah. and it, you know it just have have a plan. But the, the problem is, can we have a plan when the man that's in charge is, is most likely, I mean, I find it, although if you listen back to the past four podcasts we've all been talking about when he's going, he's still there the now. Surely, surely, we're not going to enter season 21-22 when you're the Celtic manager, surely. I, I think it's possible. We, we won't cover what? that in much detail today. I think that is possible. I, Tino, I, I think, I'm not Tino, saying it's been a big 24 hours for the past <laughs> how long and now it's you're no, telling me this it would absolutely never be my my choice or any fan at this moment in time but you can just see it as being possible that the board would just say right off that season guys that Covid situation really threw us eh I think we've and covered it before I, th- I think the, 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 the season tickets are, are, are the biggest that's what we've got to get you know, that's that's we've the, got to hold against the financially. but I, I, in terms of Squad playing squad from now to the end of the season. I'd maybe quite like to see uh, Johnson getting a few games and Henderson. Yeah, Johnson, oh, Johnson's a good good example of someone who we should be building around. But he's he's struggled to come back from his injury, hasn't he? He's, he's not really set the heather alight in those recent games. Interesting as well. You can argue either way, but we've obviously got four 
loanees in the building at this moment in time. Kenny being one of them, we've spoken very positive, positively about his couple of games. Duffy, we know all about. Lacks out, I thought, lacked confidence when he came on against Motherwell. And El Yunusi, who we know is a talent. So, you know, should we be persevering with these guys or should we just be looking to to work with our own, the guys that are going to improve his next year? I thought um, El Yunusi was quite unlucky not to score against um, Motherwell. He, he, he had, as he often does, his wee flashes of, of impact um, in, in games, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. El Yunusi is one of those guys that will frustrate the life out of you because some games he'll play and he'll look like an absolute superstar, other games he'll play and he gives the ball away really, really cheaply, looks like he's not, in, no, 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 sorry, no, that he doesn't look like he's interested in being harsher, but you know, he, he's kind of careless is, is how I would describe him sometimes on the ball, whereas other games he's really incisive, direct, you know, you see the goals he scored against, um, was it Lille, away from home, mm-hmm. um, so He's got that in his locker. He was unlucky not to score at Ibrox as well. He kind of snapshot as well. I, I like Elianusi, but could that money that we would probably need to pay for him, I think he costs 16 million, 16, 18 million? Yeah. Uh, something like that for Southampton from from Basel. So what would we be looking to pay for him? Do you think maybe 9, seven, 10 million? 79, something like 729. 729, nice. 7-9. I'm still reeling for the fact you and Lennon's got to be in charge next season. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't got to drink tonight, man. I'm, I'm just, def- I'm, I'm I'm just going throwing a couple of laughs tonight, you know, cheers. Would that money be better invested elsewhere? Has he justified seven million being spent? I think we can see that that, that obviously what Southampton's seen is you see it in flashes, and that's. Yeah, yeah, but I think you've you always know got the before. ability. You know he's got that in there. The thing that maybe frustrates me with El Yunusi a wee bit is you don't know where his best position is. I still don't really know if he's a number ten or a winger, or or does he play off a, a striker? That's the only thing is where you, where you fit him in in the team. I actually had him in my predicted lineup today. I thought he would have played. Was quite uh, quite surprised that Rogic came in. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Rogic, you know, had a good game. So yeah, it's, it's interesting that because we're now in February and it is clear. And in fact, we've had him for a year already. So we're in February in his second season, and we're not entirely clear where his best position is. So that maybe tells its own story. Yes, he was very unlucky last season because he had an excellent start and he got a bad hammy, and then we rushed him back for the League Cup final, and that put him back even further. So the, the, the whole rationale for bringing him back in this season was effectively the second half of last season was written off from, albeit that COVID, COVID seen to that as well. I had seen an article through the week and I'd done a wee bit of digging and I couldn't work out who it was. Somebody had posed the question, Celtic have apparently offered a considerable amount of money for an 18-year-old winger. Did you hear anything, anything about that? Breaking I'd news? Seen, I'd seen, well, no, no, I'd seen something on, on Twitter. Put, and then they Breaking say, news five days would later. You, would you rather spend the money on this guy? And it was a photo of Elianusi. So I, I tried to see who the 18-year-old winger was they'd apparently offered the money for. Couldn't find it anywhere. But it had that question in my head about Elianusi. Don't think he has justified that sort of outlay, albeit that I recognise what his skills and abilities are. And if we could bring him in at the right price, I'd be happy to have him in the I squad. should add that I don't think it's his fault that we don't know what his best position is. I think it's down to the manager. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, goes and he does what he does well, but you just don't know where you would fit that in in the team. Yeah, chops and changes. But I agree, I think spending, say it was, eight, nine million on El Unice, it would be a real luxury at this moment in time. He's not, if you're looking at your must-haves, it's a strong keeper, it's a strong centre-half, maybe even another centre-forward if Edward moves on. So they would be the priorities for me as opposed to a, maybe a 10, maybe a winger, or maybe whatever El Unice's bringing. So an interesting segue. So obviously El Unice is owned by Southampton, that's his parent club. Breaking away from Celtic just briefly, I was going to ask the question about Football in general, just now, I heard um, a comment, I think it was actually during Neil Lennon's press conference pre-Motherwell, and one of the journalists asked him the question, 
paraphrasing, but he's basically saying it is football all just a bit, you know, mental at this moment in time, given that there's been more away wins this season in the Premier League than ever before. So that's an interesting stat in its own right. You then see results like Man U beating Southampton 9-0, a ridiculous scoreline at any level of football. You've got Liverpool having a kind of mini collapse just now. They've lost two home league games in a row for the first time in goodness knows how how many games. What do we put things like that down to? So just looking at football as a general, and obviously the Premiership's close to home, is that the COVID thing, the fans thing, players' mentality, and absolutely not excusing some of the poor decisions by Neil Lennon this season, but... You know, would that be a you know a gen- general thing that's coming across the board? Do you know, is this is this a defensive Neil Lennon? I think building here another the ca- one. The campaign starts here, but but as a valid point that football is just a bit mad just now. I think I think the fans is probably the main. But you're just playing on a football park, and it doesn't really matter where you are. You see that at amateur level, it doesn't really matter. What, well, from my experience, amateur level, it doesn't really matter whether you're playing at home or away because there's no. Fans there, unless you played junior, can you? No, no, no never wasn't good enough. enough. I'll tell you those no. stories later. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just the freedom of it's just a football pitch, so it doesn't really matter. We playing, there's probably more pressure on the home team to to perf- you know when there's no fans yeah, there. But, but do you know also think some players just rise to the occasion. Scott Brown's at the best example. You know, he he gets you get the most out of him when there's that real kind of passion and energy in the stadium. Maybe Lee Griffiths is another. You wonder if Callum McGregor's another because he's seriously dipped. But t- I'm, I'm I'm taking it away from Celtic stuff. Uh, that, this is see this is going down the route of. Would Rangers be unbeaten if their fans were in the stadium? No, they would not because of the pressure that would come from their fans. So I think I think Rangers have reacted positively to the situation. Would Celtic have been as rank rotten as they have been this season had the fans been there to be on their back, specifically me? No, I don't think they would have Ball been. So would, I, would, I, would, I think it would have balanced out to a degree. However, it's irrelevant because we are where we are in life. Football and life is all about adaptability. Is how you adapt to different situations in your life. Yeah. So what 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 I would say is yes, I agree. COVID has had an impact on football in terms of the results, completely, and you can see that. You even see it um, in in foreign leagues as well. I think PSG third in the league or second in the league. Yeah, Lila. and and we're a wee bit off the pace for a bit as well. In Spain, Barcelona and Real are ten points off the top. Barcelona, yeah, across, across the, top across as the well. continent. Although, as well. although you could argue, Barca. Punting Suarez and gaining them to arrival for the title would have a huge, <laughs> huge amount to play in that as well. So that that was pretty stupid as well. It's probably a bit like us playing playing Duffy so regularly. So you look at these things. Ultimately, it comes down to like anything else. It's decision making on on the park that affects these things. Psychologically, yes, not having fans there has had a huge p- impact in every team. Some positively, some negatively. But it's how teams have adapted, and I think not only has there been chaos on the park for Celtic this year. There has been unbridled chaos off the park as well. And I think those two things come together has just been an absolute mash-up and, and it's led us to be where we are. I think now. that's a good point. I think the players that we've brought in, when, you, when you're brought into a situation where you're trying to settle in a, in a brand new country or a, a new city or whatever, if you're in isolation and you can't go meet any of your teammates for whatever reason, you know, we've brought in Barkas, Duffy, all these, Ayeti, all being brought in this, you know, this season. I'm taking out of their comfort comfort zone and unable to go and spend time with their teammates gelling. Whereas likes of Rangers are just, you know, a very similar team to last year, so it's, it's continuity. Did they know about the lounge area? No. Did oh, they were going to do that? The, the Did they ever get the... That's where get it all went the, wrong. Get the Xbox out. Went a bit quiet on that front. Yep. And the, the final piece of my uh, latest Neil Lennon propaganda messaging here. Here we go, team. Just back to the Liverpool point, though. So obviously they're on a poor run of form just now. Uh, beat off Brighton and Burnley at home, which you, you would never have seen. They're the current. You know, title holders uh, in England, they won the Champions League in 2019. So is Jurgen Klopp a bad manager for those type of mistakes in the same way that 
Other managers are getting grief, particularly Neil Lennon. Whether he's a bad manager or not, I don't know, but he bottled it for Big Sean. He bottled it for Big Sean. Sean Deitch, did Sean you know Deitch. see him? I did Big see Sean was giving him the big game. Uh, oh, big Jürgen didn't want him to do it. No, nobody's calling Klopp. What I will say, see managers like Klopp and, and Guardiola, they're very intense. They demand a lot of their players. So I think you've seen in Guardiola's reign for Man City and you're now seeing it with Klopp's reign at Liverpool. There's invariably a dip at some points because they've demanded so much from the players to a point where they are still trying, but they're just fatigued. They just don't have the same zip about them or sharpness about them. The fact that Liverpool are, are struggling, I think part of that is Liverpool's recruitment. I know this is now turning into the football exchange, but this is my opinion. Liverpool's recruitment to take the pressure off the players, maybe you could say quite similar to Celtic, the, the recruitment to take the pressure off the players that have been doing it week in, week out over a two-year period hasn't been great. They brought in, is it Sikas, uh, the, the, the fullback, the Philippiakos or Panthinaikos, the Greek fullback, something about Greek imports to British football, just not working out, but anyway, they, they brought him in and he's hardly played a game. Robertson still played every game. They've been decimated by injuries at centre-half. But Minamino came in. He's made no impact. And so they've had to rely on Salah, Manny and Firmino again for all their goals and all their creativity. You know, Oxley chamberlain get injured. Hasn't been the same player again. It's ended up with James Milner playing at centre-mid. The recruit hasn't taken pressure. Oh, Diego Jota get injured as well. He looked like he was going to come in and take a bit of pressure off that front three. But the recruitment has either not worked out. Minamino's away to um, Southampton on loan. Or... They've been quite unfortunate with injuries, so I don't necessarily think that's the same scenario as somewhere like Celtic, where we are in February and we don't know our best team. That's different to whereas Liverpool, I think, have been affected by by injuries. Never did gets injuries, but also the recruitments maybe just not been quite at the level where they've brought in like for like. And how could you bring in like for like? You know, as you say, Champions League winners, Premier League winners. It's hard to find players of that calibre, but it's maybe just that the guys that have been there and done it and danced every dance just need that break. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, join us next week on the Liverpool Exchange where we'll cover that all in a bit more detail. So, yeah, and no, it was just a segue into... I was ready to break in with my house <laughs> impression there, but given a... I've just reined myself in. Reined in, myself in. in. Myself so, but in. interesting points in general. And as I say, not looking to build a defence for Neil Lennon. He's made more than enough mistakes this season and should have been gone a long time ago. But it was just to try and highlight where football was at just now. Back to Celtic, of course. So obviously, um, we've spoken about so far in the transfer window, the fact that Frimpong is away and now in Cham joins him and <laughs> by going to Marseille. That in itself was bizarre in terms of AVB. Clearly didn't want him or know about him and that's well, turned into a bit of a siege. It's not that he didn't know about him. Did you read, or sorry, listen to the press conference? Did they watch that game? He but... said, I know about this player and I know what type of person he is. I didn't pick that's, up on that. That's, that's what he said. I thought he might have watched that Anderlecht game. Remember that unless, game unless and Cham a, had an absolute stinker? Unless AVB and Lenny have done their badges together down at Largs. Um, it's possible. It, that no. sounds like he has had some sort of reference. Like a, a character reference. 100% there was a, an insinuation that he was not the type of person that he wanted in the squad. I know of the player. I was told about the player and I said I didn't want him. I know what type of player or person he is. Some, something along those lines. That's, That's interesting. In addition to the fact that Lenny has, has now said he wanted to be for two years. So it does say a lot about Cham and you hear the rumours about him being a disruption in the dressing room but it sounds like there's definitely something to that so if he's away the, the, the biggest headache for me about Cham going is that it looks like we're only going to recoup the four yeah, and a half that, million we paid for him there seems to be two Olivia Chams there's one that could have went for 15, 20 million that we, we see every now and again and then there's that one that just doesn't look that good and that unfortunately it seems to be, it seems to be the one that isn't that good that we've sold or that, that or is a big, big frustration of mine in modern football especially so Celtic fans seem to get obsessed with the model, what the model is. So the fact that we're not selling him for twenty million profit means he's been a flop. For me, I would look at it from the point of view he scored the winner against Rangers and he scored the winner in the 
Stadio Olympico. For me, Encham has given us back what we've paid for him. Yes, we've not made a massive profit on him. It's not worked out for him. But for me, it's just a case if he's disruptive in the dressing room, he wants to be. Let him go. Fair enough. You know, but he's also contributed as well. I think it's it's you can't say that he hasn't contributed to a success of a, a absolutely dominant period. He has an isolation, but not enough. He's contributed. So he's he's had big moments. Yeah. But that's that's football. You know, you're not going to make a twenty million profit every day it turns up at the door. We should have on him. That's the point. We've we seen him come him. in and we've seen what he's got to offer and he's just gone backwards. I think that we can't lay everything at Lenny's door. I think it's a combo of poor coaching and poor attitude. So, I know they're not in any great shake just now, but he still went to a decent side. He's still, you know. Yeah, that's unusual. Joey Barton went to Marseille at one point. They seem to sign strange guys on loan. But the bottom line is the manager doesn't want him. Yeah, obviously, in terms of weight. And the only player we brought in was John Joe Kenny. I wonder, there's no chat on whether that can turn into a permanent signing. Early days, of course, but it'd be interesting if he could be one that we could snap up. Lennon did say, let's see what happens on that. Okay, so we're open to that one. Just another thing, just in terms of transfer windows and looking forward, and, you know, we've obviously got half an eye on next season now. There seems to be an alarming number of young players leaving the club straight from the academy. No first team experience. Latest one, I think, is a, a 19 year old goalkeeper, Liam Hughes, who signed for Liverpool. Um, there was a young guy who went to Bayern Munich last season. Two young guys left to Bayern directly without even getting near the first team. Cameron Harper is rumoured to be going back to America, to New York Red Bulls. Karamoko Dembele looks like he'll be offski. What's happening that we are developing a lot of these young talents and losing them before we even get to see them in the first team? Is that a, is that a concern? Yeah, it is a big concern. Much other, other issues come back to who the management is and I don't think, it can't all be laid at, at Lennon's door but he doesn't breed enough young young players into the team. Especially he, he's in not that kind of manager, of, is no, he? No, he's definitely not. The likes of McManus and Adair are quite well liked and well heralded as, as progressive young coaches so would it point to an issue firstly with them, you know, whilst they're liked by Celtic fans and possibly the media, is there an issue there with how they're being coached? If that's not the case, is the issue then the terms that they're being offered to stay? How the club are negotiating with them and their, their parents, possibly, if they're, if they're still acting for them or, or their agents? Or is it just that any bright youth player between the ages of 16 and 19 sees absolutely no pathway at the first team? That, that, that's it for me. There's no bridge, there's no yeah. pathway. So so they probably get to a point where they're in the, the development squad or the under-20 squad and they, they realise they've hit the glass ceiling. They can go no further in the current management aren't going to take the risk on them. So where's the where's the challenge but for how, these guys? How can a player hit the hit the glass ceiling with us and then go to Liverpool? Like do you know what I mean? Like how how, how do we normally hear much about him and then all of a sudden he's off to Liverpool? Especially when we have the issues we've got with the goalkeeper. Yeah, and I I, I mean I, I know of a lot of the kind of young guys coming through without being a, an encyclopedia on it, but I'd never heard of Liam Hughes and the two Bayern lads and Nowarovsky before we'd even get a glimpse at them. So th- th- there's strange stuff going on there and I wonder if these young guys they're obviously savvy as well. There's, there's agents about, you know, a but younger age and maybe they're, they're getting touted before they've even And the point we've the made team. before is that the guys that do stay end up at Ross County, St Mern, Dundee, Dunfermline. So are we making the right decisions? Are, are the management of those age groups making the right decisions in terms of the players that they keep and let go? The thing is, whether they're going to Bayern Munich or Dundee, it just seems that we're training up players for other clubs. They're getting all the best ah, of our yeah, sports yeah. science and our training and our, I believe, talented youth coaches. And they're not coming through. And we've covered this a, a wee bit in previous podcasts about, you know, you've got the three amigos of Tierney, McGregor and James Forrest have come through, all to, to great success. But that's it in the 13, 14 years of Lennox Town. So 
don't want to dwell on that too much today, but I just think it's a, you know while we're talking about transfers and building for next year, it's an interesting point that there's there's that disconnect at this moment in time. And, and as you say, Miff, I think that bridge that that route in at the first team doesn't seem to be what it should be at this moment in time. So back to to matters management. It does seem that Neil Lennon is going to be here until the end of the season. I don't think there's going to be any significant changes. And what we do have is an interesting summer ahead. The Euros, Euro 2020 is now going to take place, of course, this summer between the 11th of June and 11th of July. Champions League qualifiers start very shortly after that. So still in the month of July and to be confirmed that Celtic will be there if, if we cement second place. But is there also now... Are we falling further and further behind in terms of planning for next year, given that it looks like Lenny will be here till, till May? Unless Steve Clark's already planning the now, then I think we might be I think we might be struggling. I think Chris Sutton had picked that point up in his his column in the in the Daily Record. We are falling behind. We should we should be planning way, way beyond uh, what we are. Just now we're looking at the end of the season with Neil Lennon, which makes zero sense, which we've already covered. So I don't want to cover that in too much detail. Is it going to be a mad rush where we're just trying to rush in a manager, rush in a, a, a Director of football, whatever it is, before yes. we've got the, the Champions yes, League. That is exactly what it's Why is that? What's the logic in that? Zero logic, and that's the thing. So, uh, if Lenny, so the last game of the the Scottish League season here is the 16th of May, I believe, Sunday 16th of May, and that, by all likelihood, will be near Lenny's last day in the job. You've then got this scramble. So, even if we appoint someone in the days that follow, there's Euros, of course, Scotland are part of that, Euros, and a number of Celtic players are part of that uh, squad. It will just be an absolute nightmare to try and salvage a, a team at that moment in time. I've noted that there's probably about a dozen players that are very likely to leave Celtic in the summer. I'll run through them very quickly. There's Loneys, of course, so Kenny, Duffy, Laxalt and Moyel Yunusi. You'll pro- probably lose, uh, and maybe for decent money, guys like Ayer, Edward, and Cham if he does go to Marseille permanently, and Ryan Christie. And then remains to be seen what happens with fringe guys like El Hamid, Ralston, Ewan Henderson, and finally Scott Brown, whether he starts to scale back his football involvement. That's a dozen players there who certainly won't be mainstays next season or it would seem unlikely so that leaves you a hell of a rebuilding job to do particularly if you're scraping about from from May onwards ahead of qualifiers only maybe six weeks forward so it's it's going to be a challenge for whoever it is would you agree? I would agree and and I think that's part of the the madness of the situation we've we've kind of known from October to November that we've pretty much been out of the title race not not the races the standard the performance has been the biggest issue so it's not like we were playing games and beating games we should have won we were just fairly dreadful for a, a, a considerable period of time which all points to the one thing players not necessarily not playing for the manager but devoid of ideas when they step in the park lack of creativity which invariably is coming for their lack of belief in the management team rather than not not trying when they go in the park what we have seen the past few weeks is slight more, slightly more cohesion on the park but the fact remains that where we are the position that we're in isn't good enough and should have resulted in change quicker, tell us to plan for next season. It's a point we've made ad nauseum on this podcast. And to me, it is just utterly amazing that we're still sitting here with the same structure in place, knowing that Lawwell's going, knowing that Lennon's likely to go. We had the chance to make a change, make a few tweaks in January, get some people out the door. And even if we only got people in temporarily in the door, let a new manager have a look at things. The only thing I can think of is the person or the people that we wanted couldn't come at that point? Steve Clark, which made me think of Steve Clark. That's the, uh, you know I've said <laughs> that I've said that on numerous Kim, occasions. Kim or, or the the social environment at the time around the issues with COVID and the pandemic 
you know, if it was possibly somebody from down south or abroad, they didn't at that time feel comfortable moving their family into an area where there was a really high COVID infection. You know, we as football fans, we don't think of these things. We just think, oh, mate, you're going to be manager of Celtic, get moving, get moving the now, take all your worldly possessions, your family, uproot them and go over to Scotland now and save their season. That's not how life works for some people. And if we have sought somebody out and they've said, look, just know the now. <laughs> Well, that, we, that happened with Martin O'Neill, wasn't it? We appointed Martin O'Neill and he was going to the Euros to uh, as a pundit. To comment. As a pundit. Mm-hmm. And then he came back and we ended up signing Yusuf Haran off the back of that. Yeah. You, you can see that situation playing out though. So the, the Euros run, as I say, 11th of June to 11th of July. I'm not sure Scotland will be in the final on the 11th of July, but you know they might, they might have some heavy involvement in the tournament. And you could feasibly, if it is a Steve Clark, you know, that means a big if, but you could have a guy who's running right out the back of taking his country to the Euros to try and then take Celtic right into some qualifiers and scrambling about at the same time to try and find signings. It would be such a Celtic thing to do to appoint Steve Clark with Correct. very little time Myth, to play. you floated the idea and, and initially just sort of brushed it off, but the more and more you think about it, then the more you think there's something going on in the background and that could be one of the options. It's possible. It could, And it could be just the level we're at. You know, it's a, it's a pragmatic approach if it's a Steve Clark. Set your expectations, lads, I told you. But it's not an exciting approach, so that, that'll be interesting to see. Um, there's also the, the the very important point that it seems likely, and it's to be confirmed yet based on the coefficient and the different standards, but it seems likely that next year's league winners in Scotland will go right into the group stages. So I think at the moment Scotland are in about 10th or 11th and they're vying with countries like Ukraine and Austria. So there's a few factors and obviously Rangers are still in Europe this season and conversely you, you kind of hope that they'd get a couple of decent results which would help the coefficient, but that's a weird headspace to get into. So. I'll not go down that road, but... Easy if, there, Tino. Easy. I, I just thought you wanted to say good luck <laughs> easy. to them. Easy. Good luck to every team. So anyway, we've got that situation where the league winners all going well. We'll go directly into the Champions League. So just even from a business point of view, you know, Celtic have often got this thing where they look business first, then football second. But business point of view, to not be planning for that possibility that's, if you win the league next year, you're, you're throwing away a, a 30 million prize. That's what makes it all the more baffling and frustrating to me is, is you know, that there is potentially that golden ticket get yourself prepared get yourself ready get the people in that, that you want identify the, the players that you want had Lawwell not been exiting then you could maybe understand well the continuity's got to be there for the fact that if Lennon goes Lawwell will still be there so the players that were going to sign are going to be the players that were going to sign but with Lawwell not being there and somebody new coming in it means there's you know there's potential got to be two new people through the door in terms of a manager and a, a chief exec you, you need to know who that's going to be as quickly as possible to give you the best chance and we are not allowing ourselves that luxury. And to me, that that's negligence on, on everybody's part that's involved in that decision-making process at the club. And there's also the suggestion that, I think the quotes are there, that we're going to change the structure of the management team uh, moving forward. So there's also a director of football to bring into Davey that equation. Back. <laughs> Possibly. But then there's then there's a whole John thing. John Brown? John, John Collins has been touted for that, and I think that'd be a decent shout, but that's a, a separate chat. But yeah, Passing. <laughs> but you do have the... You do have the suggestion there that you're going to have to bed both of them in, director of football and coach. And there's a chicken and egg scenario. What comes first, your director well, of football or your gaffer? Well, listen, I think I'd look forward to the, the fact that players are all getting their six-packs back. You know, JC, JC getting a morning in the Abroa. Probably wouldn't be, wouldn't be a bad shout, but ultimately, if that's the case, then again, likewise, you don't want them coming in at that exact same time. You'd need them already be coming in with an idea of what they wanted to do, who they wanted and what the structure was going to be underneath them and what their targets would be from a, a player point of view. So it's still it's still the same thing. To sit on this, for, it's, we're just rudderless now, you know, yeah. we're just drifting but it's, game it's, to game. It, it doesn't mean anything, you know. We, 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 the, the only thing that will mean anything is beating Rangers. 
for the point of view that so that they don't go unbeaten. That's all we've got to play for this year, and that is an absolute and the disgrace. Scottish Cup, if, if that goes ahead, if it goes ahead, yeah. but it's, it's a disgrace. I think the director of football comes first because I think he sits above Lennon and he sorts the recruitment side and he sorts the youth side and he sorts the, he sorts the first he gets team. that structure in place. Yeah, we, we've seen it at Celtic before, though, in terms of when Jock Brown, who you just mentioned there, when Jock Brown came in, I think he was effectively director of football and Wim Janssen. They famously never got on, and it led to Wim Jan, Janssen being a a great season, but a one-season wonder, and he moved on, and that broke down. Well, the the thing, the issue you've got with bringing the director of football in first is that maybe if it's Lennon, gets, if it's Lennon, no, but if if, if, <laughs> if the director of football goes in there though, right, and looks at the way things are currently being run, and doesn't like what he's seeing with Lennon, then the first thing that they've got to do is go to say you need to get rid of him. So bringing them in first might not, it might make sense for the point of view if people want rid of and want a new manager, and then he'll come in or the director of football come in and identify that. But you take my point. They'll come in and tell us what we probably already know, and that's that the, the, the football side of the club is currently dysfunctional. Yeah. Rutherless is a term you've used, Miff, and I think it's pretty accurate at this moment in time. So next up for Celtic, we've got St Mirren, as we mentioned, away on Wednesday, and St Johnson on Sunday. Valentine's Day, no less. I, I know your lads will be busy, but we'll, we'll try and get cover <laughs> from that game. Um, but in terms of management, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect any changes between now and May time. I'm, I'm sorted. I bought a couple of steak baits that go to date. On yeah. the 14th of Feb As we uh, as we wrap things up Kenny first of all Do you have any final thoughts? Just like to see us Be a wee bit more comfortable uh, Defensively Don't know how you do that When you've still got a, a poor goalkeeper And You know Welsh Continue to play And maybe one or two others Start to come in Like As I, as I said Johnson or, or Henderson Yourself Muff For me I, I still think we need, we need to make a change And prepare for next season You know The results just now Effectively are irrelevant Because we're so far behind I, I, don't, I don't see what merit Even going in a six or seven game unbeaten run just now makes without having any sort of plan for next season because for us it is all about next season but the damage is already done however it's still lovely to see Celtic winning games so I'll make continue well I mean ultimately that's what we're here we're here to first and foremost see Celtic win on the park and usually the off the park stuff shouldn't take as much dominance as it has done in recent times but that's where we find ourselves so for the time being at least it seems to be business as usual on the park for Celtic and having now scaled the dizzy heights of two wins in a row We'll be looking to add a couple more wins in the week ahead. Whether there's any decisive action off the park, that's anyone's guess at this moment in time. My thanks as always to Miff and to Kenny for joining us on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange. And finally, our thanks to you for listening. And remember, you can now find us on Apple, Spotify, Google and wherever else you get your podcasts by searching the Celtic Exchange. We'll see you again next week. Podcast Network.